Cougs house. All right. We have a bunch of media availability kind of stuff to break down as the Houston Cougars get ready for the American Athletic Conference for the last time. But first, there's something that was kind of a surprise on Monday night that everyone spent all day Tuesday talking about as a surprise. I really. You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast by your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can't step by, please be sure to subscribe down below that we can lay us on the Cougs into your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It's good to see you again. Uh, Bert, make sure you contact me. Reach me out, reach out to me on Twitter at Painsworth five one there you go Painsworth five one two P A I N S W O R T H five one two for being our seven hundred fifty subscriber winner. Uh, we're going to be giving away something at one thousand two. The faster we get there, the bigger that giveaway will be. If we get there by the start of March Madness, I'm thinking something pretty pretty big and substantial. So make sure you go hit subscribe down below, comment and like so we know who to give stuff away to when we get there. But man, oh man, let's keep pushing the thing up to a thousand. We appreciate each and every subscriber. I promise. We love talking coops here at Locked On. Cougs. All right. In uh, sorry, I, I always say if you don't have anything to say afterwards or after talking about this segment, uh, tell me if you like waffle fries or curly fries. Now, I will say as we get into this and look more at uh, you know pre-conference tournament getting ready and media availability, people gonna be kind of tense. I thought it was that Houston was kind of loose. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about a couple different things. First, the first segment and second segment will both be revolving around some stuff that Kelvin Sampson said in his media availability on Monday. Uh, he does his radio show, right? Goes back and forth and um, and takes in questions and that kind of stuff. I would say availability. I guess it's more like a public thing. Um, but kind of break down some stuff that happened there, including a big, big surprise in a second um, that he let out there that I think people were really shocked by, apparently. Um, the... Second segment will be more about Samson's week of stuff in the media. And then the third segment, we'll looking at the uh, brief snippets we got from some players, Marcus Sasser, Jamal Shedd, and Chamon Mark. Uh, but first, let's talk about the big surprise that everyone was talking about on Twitter all day Tuesday. Now, I know the Twitter sphere is not necessarily like the biggest thing to run with here, um, but it seemed like that and various different message board kinds of things were all really, really concerned that Kelvin Sampson said, point blank when asked about it that he knew Jairus Walker was going to the NBA at the end of this season from the moment he signed him. And I would argue it actually probably started earlier back from the first recruiting information exchanged back and forth. The first time Samson Samson company shook his hand or the first time that they talked to an AAU coach or whatever the case may be, they knew that dude, right? Six, nine two forty. Short roll feels like a point forward, incredible defender, like generational type of defender, potentially like they knew from the jump that guy was a one and done NBA pro. And I think it's interesting because it opened up a lot of questions about where the Houston Cougar basketball program is. Right. Other questions in the availability were, is Houston going to be the kind of program that continues to pull in one and dones? And Coach Sampson bluntly said, no. And it wasn't a long answer. It was just like, that's not what they're going to do over and over again. Jairus is an extreme rare case of a one-and-done type of talent 
that will sign up for Calvin Sampson type of coaching in that one, right? That's not the kind of thing you see a whole lot. And frankly, it's the kind of thing that makes me think that in a bigger picture thing we'll talk about later, that Terrence Arsenault and Emmanuel Sharp, those guys are probably staying for second year, even though people are putting a second round grade on Arsenal on a purely potential basis, right? Uh, the difference with Jairus is, is he wants that type of coaching being worked hard, being pulled from games for making mistakes, being, you know, in the most positive way possible, cussed up and chewed down and being like explicitly told what to fix in his basketball. He didn't want to be pampered. He didn't want to be put up on a pedestal. He wanted to be coached. He wanted to be worked. He wanted to be developed, be developed by a system like Samson's. And that's why he is who he is. And that's how he's gotten to be the 19 year old kid that he is now about to go make a bunch of millions of dollars for reference as to what he's looking at in the NBA. He's projected as high as in mid-February, theathletic.com had him as the fifth overall pick. I've seen people in that 5-6 range. I've seen no one lower than nine. So let's just say he's the 10th pick in the NBA draft this summer. The 10th pick in the NBA draft gets a guaranteed $9 million a year for three years in the NBA. Point blank, full stop. Guaranteed $27 million just for putting your name down the line once they pick you. Right? And I have to say that while a lot of the criticism, I think, like, Jairus does have a lot of growing up to do. He will not be a like NBA all-star. He will not be at his max potential at age 20 next season in the NBA. But that's not really the point either. That's not where the NBA is, and that's not what college basketball has become. And frankly, as Kevin Sampson has exponentially grown this program, that's not necessarily where like one and dones end up getting they don't get drafted to go become NBA all-stars in their rookie seasons, right? That's not where things go. Do I think Jairus will be that kind of talent? Absolutely. Just seeing the growth in him in so many areas over the course of this 31 games so far this season makes me very confident that when it is his full-time job, he's playing 82 games. That means 82 games worth of scenarios. He has NBA-level coaching and practices and like that many more guys on staff. Like The U of H staff is great, but is not the same size as an NBA staff, right? The NBA, uh, the uh, U of H film study is great. It is not the kind of depth and like deep dives and all of the like minutia that goes into an NBA staff. Frankly, from a nutritionalist perspective, dude's 6'9", 240, eating like an elite level college athlete, but still like a college athlete. Whereas like the pro nutritionists and weight trainers and all those kinds of like Alan Bishop is the best in the biz as far as a college weight trainer goes for the UH, uh, UH basketball program. But they'll have like 18 different guys watching every single muscle group of Jairus's at the NBA level, right? Now, it's somewhat of an exaggeration, but it is to say that, like, the goal is not for Jairus to be NBA all-star peak of his powers when he's drafted. It's for him to be able to do those things and to have demonstrated he will do those things, and then those teams can get him in early and exponentially develop him within their systems. That does not mean he's not going to take away the very like lessons that he learned from Samson. There's a reason he picked Samson. I say that all the time, right? For instance, in the same radio spot, Samson talked about, he got asked about like, Jarrah seems to step out of bounds a lot, right? The court seats are a little too big for the court sometimes where he's playing there on the, you know, short on the sideline to the short little gap between the three point line and the sideline and bluntly in the NBA, that's even shorter, right? However, Samson pointed out like different ways that, they talk with Jairus about that and work with Jairus about that. And we're able to point out like in the grand scheme of things, right. They broke it down to like, that's one or two turnovers a game. They're averaging about nine and a half turnovers a game. They're averaging about 65, 66 possessions a game. That means they're getting about 55 shots per game. 
And the focus then becomes make up for the offensive rebounds because if we continue to extend those possessions on those shots and get more than 55 shots on 66 possessions, we're doing really, really good stuff, right? And, like, that becomes the coaching point, and that becomes the learning point, and that becomes the way to, like, coach up a kid with as much talent as Jairus. You don't want to put him in a box and, like, make him scared to go near the sideline and three-point line, but also working on those things, right? Just tidbit from the exact same radio deal, radio spot, right? Um, Jairus is headed to the NBA. There's no question about it. And I can't believe that I saw on Twitter a bunch of people talking about all these things that Jairus needs to work on. You know where he's working on those things? In the NBA next season, right? That That's that's where that will continue to happen. There's frankly been moments you could argue at U of H where Houston has to concern themselves with winning in a way that like some programs don't. I don't mean to say everyone's not trying to win, but they might not leave Jairus out there to figure it out on the fly in a way that like teams that don't have title aspirations might, right? Um, and so I say it to say that like I was taken aback by how many people, uh, I think Andy Yanez was the first person I saw tweet it from the radio show on Monday night. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And like a bunch of people were like, what is he doing? And it's like, he's going to make a lot of money and continue to play at an extremely high level basketball and be really, really good, extend the career, et cetera. Like, there's so many different things going on there. He will always be a Cougar. He will be a Cougar alum because you don't have to graduate to be an alum. That's a look up the definition. That's a real thing. And he will always benefit from his year spent in Houston, right? It works both ways. We benefit from having him. He benefits from having us. But we can't be so selfish. We don't see the writing on the wall here. That kid was a one-and-done pro from the moment he stepped on the floor at IMG as a sophomore, and everyone watching them on national TV went, whoa. Speaking of NBA players and NBA things, it is the midway point of the NBA season, and it's time to tell you about our buddies at Fando. Now, again, it is the NBA's midway point. It's actually like less than 20 games left. Things are heating up, and it is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Uh, because when you sign up for uh, FanDuel, America's number one sports book, you get a no-sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win just download the FanDuel sportsbook app it's safe secure and super easy to use then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained uh my uh, first of all my uh tuesday night bet was almost money uh the game brooklyn kind of took away off for a little bit of what almost was a tie with the houston rockets at halftime and brooklyn ended up winning by a lot of points I told you it'd be a closer first half and a blow in the second half. I just was saying if you hit the parlay, you get the tie in the first half, et cetera. What I'm looking at on Wednesday night is I'm avoiding the parlay. I'm you know, fading myself a little bit after the night before. But they've got Dallas favored by two points in New Orleans. And Dallas's offense has been tremendous. I mean, like historic level great in the games they've had Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic on the floor at the same time. I will also point out that they've lost more of those games than they've won. I can't believe this game is predicted as so close. I can't believe Dallas is favored on the road. I know New Orleans is not the same New Orleans that they are when they're all full strength, fully healthy, etc. But I still feel like I'm going to like hedge my bets here and be like Dallas continues to struggle defensively to get stops and those kind of things. They don't really have a rim protector, yada, yada, yada. I'm taking New Orleans at plus two in that game. And I'm telling you, you should do it too at FanDuel. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right. So 
I say all that about Samson and Jairus, but that was not the only commentary Samson has had this week. Um, frankly, in you know looking around to see what the things he was talking on, um, I did find a really touching story. It's really more about his wife talked a lot more um, about the trip to East Carolina last week and uh, the work with the Lumbee tribe, the Lumbee nation that he did there in North Carolina. Um, obviously, we talked a little bit at the time about like how that was a very big like homegoing moment for him. Right. Uh, being from Pembroke and all those kinds of things and the journey he's taken to get to Houston and how that felt like, you know, Houston feels like the final chapter and then all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, however, the interesting thing in the story from Blues uh, KTRK, uh, but the interesting thing I saw, I thought about in that story was how much like we think about like him appreciating the state in a lot of ways, but the Lumbee nation appreciating him and like the way he's represented his uh, nation on his back as he's gone through this, right? Uh, and I don't mean like he's kind of sort of tied to the Lumbee. I mean like he is full-on Lumbee Nation American Indian. So much like his dad fought the Ku Klux Klan as a Lumbee Nation member in the 1950s, right? Like this is entirely his upbringing, entirely his life, and those people are so, so proud of him. It's a really, really cool clip. Um, I'm not linking outside people too, too terribly much. Make sure you go check that out too. Um, they were really, really emotional and Again, taking every opportunity they could to take pictures and all that kind of stuff with him after the fact. Really, really cool moment across the board. Um, as far as like his media availability, more that was in the last week. His more recent stuff, like on Monday, um, I thought it was interesting in talking about the and in getting some insights into how coach coaches. I guess um, you and I talked on Monday about Jamal Shed after the game, talking about like, "Hey, I messed this up in the Wisconsin game. I was super cognizant of it, and that's why." I was able to get this right in the Memphis game, right? The Wisconsin game being the game in uh, 2021, right? Fall of uh, right before winter break of fall of 2021. And I thought that was interesting, like tidbit, like, okay, like that's great for him to like continue to grow forward. And that's why this team feels like a championship caliber team because they've got those lessons from years of experience. Right. Um, Coach Sampson said the same thing, except he owned Jamal's mistake in the Wisconsin game and said that he pulled Jamal aside afterwards when, frankly, lots of national media was laughing at Jamal Shedd for not getting a shot off at the end of that game on national television in the Maui Invitational. Um, and he said, Jamal, this is my fault as a coach because we haven't worked on this, right? And Kelvin Sampson, being the man that he is, the adult that he is, the adult in the room growing and developing these young men that he is, Right, was like, hey, we've got to go now work on this. And they got in the gym. They put time on the clock. They ran their inbound set. He calls it a horseshoe. We call it a U, but same concept, right? The a point guard is running a curvature to where he catches the ball moving forward, but it's looking at the ball like his whole body is facing the ball. He's moving forward. And then they like stopped the clock at some point and like did like a freeze kind of drill, right? And they looked at the clock and said, this is about how much time, if you're running full speed here, that's about how much time that takes. So, they did something like five seconds. And I was like, okay, now you're going to have 1.7 seconds from here to make a decision. Like, like they practiced the exact situation and scenario in a way that elite coaches do. Right. But that lesson happened last year. And Samson was talking about owning how like they had not done that with Jamal at that point last season. Bluntly, it sounds like until people got hurt, the point, the emphasis was not going to be on having Jamal as a starting point guard last year. Right. And so that might be why he missed out on some of those reps where like, Marcus would have gotten to go there like different guys right um he, they worked on those late game things the clock they worked on all that stuff just last season and this year they just looked at it, say hey, we're not calling timeout you know what to do boom right got it um 
very, very interesting transition. I, I just thought that that was a cool way to like tie into what Jamal Shad had just said after the game himself. Um, all kinds of other fun anecdotes. Um, he had a great question from, I think it must have been some kid, um, asking about like what's the difference in playing hard and competing. Um, and he talked about like something as simple as, you know, if you lift your leg up right now, the example he used of lifting your leg up, right? And the competition is, hey, hold your leg up as long as you can. That's hard. And then if it's you and the person sitting next to you, and he's like, hey, whoever wins keeps the leg up the longest wins. That's competing, right? The idea of like, I'm going to do this to the best I can is playing hard, but I'm going to do this to make sure I do this longer than anyone else doing it is competing, right? Um, just interesting tidbit there. I, I also thought, uh, first of all, there's two different ways I want to go about the rest of this segment. Talking about, uh, Samson, I do have to get into the third segment at some point and talk about Sasser Shed and Mark. But um, when asked about Marcus and Marcus's leadership, he talked about him being, you know, talk quiet and carry a big stick kind of leader. Um, once, you know, I thought it was interesting that we talked a lot about Jairus and his NBA stuff because that was the thing that sent shockwaves through Twitter. But he also, in just as blunt a tone, said that Marcus wanted to be an NBA player. And when he showed up to Houston, he was not one, right? And that he developed and worked and put time in and effort in, continued to grow his game. And quote said, that's what we do, right? That effort, that work, that grind, development, whatever you want to, whatever word you want to put on it is what Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougar program does, right? Um, really, really cool, like, like trajectory i thought across there and looking at what sasser does um also like call me crazy i i saw sasser play high school basketball i thought he was a pro <laughs> right like I, like but sam's like no but we we worked on it right um and like to just have that kind of an eye to be like okay here's what that kid needs to work on and fix um just special just special um the other tidbit here you know marcus sasser is a soon to be pro um, the guy calling all these games, Jim Nance is at the end of his career, right? Jim Nance said before the season, uh, the legendary play-by-play caller, I guess he's with CBS sports. Now um, he's been with a bunch over the course of his career. has said that this will be his final season. You also might recognize the name Jim Nance because he is a Houston Cougar alum. Um, and Jim and his son, Jameson were at practice in Memphis and uh, they got invited to be, come be a part and watch. Um, Cause Jim was calling the game the next day. So he was in town, Right. Um, and talked about like Houston history with Jim. Uh, they talked about like Guy Lewis and Coach Williams and a bunch of different guys that would have been there over the course of like the arc of Houston basketball. Um, apparently, Samson and Nance are good friends. Like after big wins, he'll get like a box delivery of Jim Nance's like wine. I guess it's does it come from his vineyard? Does he have a vineyard? He, I know he has a wine. Anyway, he sends it to Samson after, um, after big wins and stuff like that, that was interesting to see like, they're that kind of close. They're not just like both celebrities in the UH, UH folklore. They're actually close. Um, and then it was interesting in talking with uh, Samson after that practice, it became very apparent that like Jim Nance watches every game, not like every national game. Jim Nance watches every game on ESPN plus like you and I do when he has to. Right. Um, which is just like where he is. It sounds like Nance is like kind of getting emotional at the end of that practice because like, his son was there. There's like a father-son experience, but also like this is Jim's last year calling games. Houston is having a historic run this year. Like things could just be stars aligning. Oh yeah. And that whole final four thing is happening in Houston. Stars aligning. Right. Um, so in the third segment, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what the players had to say this week. 
So let's jump in with what those players had to say this week. Now, Sasser, Shed, and Mark all spoke at various points in their practices on Monday and Tuesday to media. Um, Informally, nothing too crazy. Um, What I will say is that after uh, Coach's comments Monday night, I think people wanted to talk to Jairus. I think Jairus were much more focused on, like, working on his craft. Um, I don't mean to say there's any animosity there or anything like that or any any reason for there to be, um, but he notably did not, like, go grab a mic and talk to the media and chop it up. He was just folks working on this game, and frankly, as aforementioned, this is his last set of games in a Houston Cougar uniform, too, right? He's not a senior, but in some ways it feels the same way. Um, I'm going to work, I guess, a little bit backwards. Tron Mark, uh, people likened the Jamal Shed shot against Memphis to Tremont Mark's half-court buzzer beater against Memphis. Um, and, like, you know, talking about which one was better and which one was whatever. And it sounds like, per Tremont Mark, that Tremont likes Jamal's shot more because of the road environment. He thought it was a tougher shot because of the place they were playing. Fair point. Jamal Shed likes Tremont Mark's shot more because, quote, it's a harder shot. It's a half-court shot, right? That's a much more difficult thing to do. Um, and when you push Mark, uh, Marcus Sasser on it, the tiebreaker, he said, I'm kind of 50-50. So like, <laughs> there's no real discussion there as far as whose shot is better. Um, it's nice to have them all go in for the same team, though. Right? Wouldn't you agree? Uh, all right. That was all Tremark, really, really, Tron Mark really had to say. Um, he is focused on winning there, like, uh, talking about, like, they kind of have to win out in the conference. They do feel that pressure. Jermon talked a little bit about that pressure because, like, honestly, he, like, has been here a couple years now and understands, like, the pressure on a team in the American is that people look at your losses a lot worse than they would if you were in a different conference. We're fixing that next year, Jermon. I, I promise. Um, if they are 29-2 in the Big 12 next season, and they're going to be pretty good, they, like, don't get me wrong, there's no doubt they're the number one team in the country. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. They're 29 and two in the Big 12 next season. There's no doubt in my mind that like no one would ever just that, that could be the number one team of all time, right? Um, Jamal Shed in talking about things before we like what he talked about with media briefly after you know the informal shoot around kind of stuff on Monday and Tuesday. Um, he did a really, really cool NIL deal, and they talked to the news a little bit about it when he was getting asked about it uh, for some local stations. Um, through TDECU, uh, was giving out acts of kindness. So he just walked around campus and started handing out $20 gift cards. Like, the kind of that are just, like, money. He just walked around to random people and hand those things out. So, if you see a Houston Cougar athlete in a red TDECU polo walking around, make an effort to walk by and see if you can just get a random $20. And B, how cool a system is that? Like, TDECU is not only giving to the athletes with this NIL program, they're also in a weird way, just like hand out twenty dollars out to a bunch of random students across campus. It's a cool, cool deal, a cool, cool way to support the athletes, and also like in a weird way support random kids buying dinners or whatever with the twenty bucks. Um, don't go spend it all in one place. Anyway, cool moment uh, in talking about it afterwards. Uh, a cool like ordeal for him, and talking about the weekend that was afterwards before they kind of put it behind them. He mentioned that the shot itself was surreal. He was still kind of in shock and awe from it on Monday. Um, and then he also pointed out that like when he got mobbed by his teammates, it was almost scary, right? It was almost like, Oh man, like, like so many guys on top that kind of stuff. Um, as a whole, I thought it was interesting that he opened up on Tuesday and said like, the guys are a little anxious and that's a good thing. And I think that's a fair way to put it. Like anxiety at this point, if you can manage it, I don't mean to like diminish any mental health issues, struggling with anxiety, but if you can handle the anxiety coming around, like, that means it's important. That means it's valuable. That means you know that deep down in you, like, 
you've got a shot. I also like as a coach myself, like think about like anxiety means like, you like you know you can you like you can win. You also know you can lose. And there's like a balance there. I mean, it was interesting to hear Jamal Shed verbalize that though that everyone's got a little bit of everyone is a little anxious, and that's a good thing. Um, Marcus Sasser talked the longest, obviously, like he's the leader of the team in a lot of different ways. He's not the most vocal of guys, um, but he's much more lead by example guy. And man, what an example it is to watch. Um, but when asked about his legacy, as these are his last games in the American Athletic Conference, and however long Houston lasts in the American Athletic Conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, or his last games as a Houston Cougar, he said he wants to be remembered as a winner. Uh, he's got the three point record, but he also has the all time wins in Fertitta Center record. Um, and I think that that matters a lot more to him. The idea of being a winner that came through the University of Houston is really, really important. Um, and he wins on both sides of the floor. He's a true two-way star. He's a defensive player of the year award finalist. And, uh, and then he's also second-team All-American, and he's a shooting guard of the year finalist. And Like, he, he does it all. He does it all. Um, also, he got awarded a second-team All-American through Sporting News, Sporting News notably did not have a guard on their first team, so I can I can I say he's the best the he's first team guard because there's no guard on the first team anyway. That's not him or that. That may be more of a semantic argument for later. Um, he said that the reason the American Athletic Conference tournament, Sasha, this is said that the reason the AAC tournament worked so well in getting ready for the NCAA tournament is because they're both uh, winner go home. And they're also both this idea of like they're going to play three games in three days. At the end of the tournament, you play like Tuesday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday, and like those quick turnarounds. A, it's one and done. But also those quick turnarounds are like hard on your legs in a way. Like you got to be ready to play that second game in a way that like obviously your adrenaline be running, but like you're also dog tired from just playing a one and done game forty eight hours before, right? Um, he also, though, when asked, I mean, he was asked directly, so I don't want to act like he was braggadocious about it, but said that he thought that Houston had the best trio of guards in America um, because of the way they play two ways, because the way they go back and forth, and because of the way they play so hard for so many minutes every single game. He's He even pointed out, he like, they might not be the best scoring trio of guards. They might not be the best defensive trio of guards. But when you put the two together, he thinks they're very clearly the best trio of guards. And I tend to agree. If you want to agree with me, if you want to talk to me back and forth, make sure you comment down below and then find me at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all of your social media handles. I'll be happy to talk all things Cougs, Cougs uh, basketball, football, spring practice are going on. Probably need another spring practice update, so we'll probably get one of those out this week, maybe. We'll talk about it. Um, but all kinds of things going on on campus in Third Ward. Baseball starting up. Shout out to the Lady Cougs for beating SMU uh, 52 to 33. They play Wichita State at 4 o'clock. So make sure you go tune into that online as well. Um, real, real chance for Lady Cougs win the tournament, the American Athletic Conference tournament, and get into the big dance um, with USF going down. Their path got a lot easier really, really fast. So shouts. Shouts to them. Um, so make sure you go check all that kind of stuff out. We talk about all the kind of things all day long at Painsworth 512. Um, thank you all so much for listening to Locked on Cougs today, making us your first listen today. If you're looking for a second listen of the day and you're ready for conference basketball tournaments, 
go tune in to Locked On College Basketball. They're doing a two-day, six-segment preview of a bunch of different conference tournaments all over the country. Let's go check out Andy and Isaac for the daily college basketball show, Locked On College Basketball. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked On Crusade, Locked On Crusade, proud member of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, or in our case, number one team in the country every day. Go Cougs!